Memorial Day weekend, and usually when it's Memorial Day, anytime there's a holiday, uh, we see attendance drop a little bit, but you're an encouragement to me by being here tonight, so thank you for being here in our service. Um, Dad made the comment last week, I believe it was, that uh, try to drive around and find a church open on a Sunday night is hard to do anymore, and uh, I still believe in keeping the doors open on Sunday night, and Luna will tell you, there's been times where it's been just us on a Sunday night, and uh, I still preached, and we still worshiped together, and um, she didn't get saved or nothing during those services, but... Uh, I was thinking about the guy that, bless his heart, this preacher, he just, he had somebody in his congregation he knew was a problem, and he just knew that they were trouble and a problem, and he thought, preacher shouldn't do this, but he thought, I'm really going to give it to him in the message. I'm going to preach something, he is going to get it today, and he got so blunt in the message and preached so blunt, and he would stare at him while he was preaching. He'd look him right in the eye while he was preaching. He said, I'm talking about you, I'm preaching to you. And at the end of the service, standing at the back door, that guy went out the door, shook everybody's hands, went up to the preacher, shook his hand, and said, Preacher, you sure got him this morning. And he thought, got him this morning? I was talking about him. He said, I'm, I'm still going to get him. Sunday night, uh, he came back, and it was just him and that guy was there. Nobody else showed up. It was a holiday, and he thought, this is my opportunity. And he said, I preached like I never preached before. He said, I looked at him right in the face. He said, I'm talking about you. Do you understand? I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. And preached that blunt. And the service was over. And he went down the aisle, took the preacher by the hand. And the preacher thought, I finally got to him. And he took the preacher by the hand. He said, preacher, if they'd have been here tonight, you'd have got him, praise God. <laughs> so you might feel like that sometimes. I don't know. But, uh, but I'm thankful that you're here tonight. And uh, just uh, I pray that God will bless the message because it's an encouragement to me to have studied this, and I hope it'll be encouragement to you as I preach it tonight out of Psalms chapter 42. And I'm going to speak to you on the subject of where is thy God? Where is thy God? The psalmist has asked this question, and there's probably times in your life where you've been asked this question, or there's times where the devil will come and whisper in your ear, where is thy God? It might be somebody that comes up to you, a friend or a family member or somebody you know that'll, when you're going through a hard time in your life, will look at you and say, where is your God? Where's your God that you worship on Sunday? Where's the God you sing about? Where's the God of the Bible you read about so much? Where is thy God? Well, I want you to see this tonight out of Psalms chapter 42, and I hope this will be a blessing to you. Psalms chapter 42 and verse number one, as the heart panteth, after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The Bible says in verse number 6, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, and out of the Hermonites, and from the hill Mizar, deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night 
His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Fathers, we bow together in prayer. Lord, all of us come into this room tonight, this house of worship, with concerns and needs and burdens upon our heart. Father, whether it's physical ailments and physical health concerns, whether it's financial, whether it's or situations in relationships or with children, Father, at work and the job or, Lord, whatever we're going through, sin that we're facing, temptation each and every day, Lord, I pray for your help tonight that, Lord, you'd use this message to stir our spirit and give us hope in times in our life where we might feel a little hopeless. Oh, God, there's times where we'll feel like, and God forgive us when we're there, where we'll feel like, where is our God? Lord, there's times where some of our friends or family or neighbors or people we know will come up to us and say, where is your God? I pray tonight that we'll be able to see the response and the answer from this message and know that, God, you've never left us. You've never failed us. You've never forsaken us. And I praise your name for that tonight. Bless the reading of thy word and bless the message as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Although we don't know who wrote this psalm, if you looked at the top of your chapter tonight, many of your Bibles will say something along the lines, the chief musician, Maskil, for the sons of Korah. We don't know exactly who wrote it. We know its purpose. We know why it's there, but we don't know exactly uh, who wrote this psalm. David wrote most of the psalm, but he didn't write all the psalms. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this psalm is left in the Word of God and reminds us that even this psalmist was going through a troubled time in his life. This psalmist was facing tears. He was facing problems and circumstances that left him saying, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that place where you feel like you can't even eat your crying so much. You can't even eat and enjoy food because your tears are your food. Your tears are your meat day and night. He talks about going through a situation where he feels abandoned by God and feels forsaken by God, that God has forgotten all about him. That's the way he feels as he writes this psalm. And in this time, he's down and he's discouraged and he's downhearted and he's down in the dumps or down in the mouth, as we might say. And he becomes disquieted. He loses that satisfaction and that joy and that peace that he once had as a follower of God, as a believer in God. And he feels like at that moment, God has forgotten me. Begins to feel a time of trouble in his life and a time of mourning, a time of aggravation, a time of frustration. And no, no sooner has he gone through all of that, about the time he's at his lowest point, he's in a position of being hurt and feeling abandoned and frustrated. 
Just about the time he's in this position where he says the trials were like billows of waves rolling over his head, somebody comes up to him, the enemy comes along and says in verse number 3, Where is thy God? I don't know who this person was that was saying it to him, but they said, Where is your God? It reminds me tonight of the story of Job and his three friends. Job, as he's lost everything, and as he's suffering, and he's lost his children, his possessions, everything, his health, and even his own wife, his three friends show up, and he calls them physicians of no value. Miserable comforters are ye. For seven days they do nothing but have a staring contest. And at the end of seven days, they look at Job, and they begin to say basically the same thing. Job, if you're right with God, none of this would have happened with you. If you were righteous, none of this would have happened. Job, where is your faith? Job, where is your walk with God? Job, where is your God? That's what the psalmist is saying. He said, they came to him and said, where is thy God? He repeats it again in verse number 10. As with the sword in my bone. Boy, they just jabbed him. They stuck him good when they said this. He says, my enemies reproach me while they say unto me, where is thy God? Have you ever been in a place as a believer where you felt like the enemy has come along and kind of just jabbed you with that dagger, jabbed you to the bone and said, where's your God? Instead of lifting your spirit and instead of encouraging you in the Lord, instead they say, where is thy God? And it's like a jab to the bone. Tonight I want us to listen on purpose because I believe that this message can help us. I believe with all my heart, if it doesn't help you tonight, it might help you some point down the road. And if it doesn't help you this week, it might be a month, it might be a year, it might be 10 years down the road. But you're going to come to a place in your life as a believer just like this psalmist. And you're going to wonder, where is my God? Or somebody's going to see you at a low point in your life, and they'll come and whisper to you, where is thy God? And studying the book of Job, as I said, that he, he felt the same way. He lost everything. He lost his health, his possessions, and finally the support of his own spouse. He comes up and you talk about a blessing. His wife says, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? Do us a favor, get it over with. You're making us both miserable. Instead of her being his helpmeet, instead she's telling him, why don't you just be done with it and curse God and die? Job got himself into this same position. And listen, if the psalmist can be there, if Job can be there, don't think you can't be there. You'll find yourself in this position at some point, a time of heartache and difficulty. And if it's not a friend or a family member or a loved one or someone else, it'll be the devil himself that'll whisper in your spiritual ear and say, where is thy God? Where is your God? Where is the God that loves you so much after all? Where is the God you said he gave his life for you? Well, where is he now? Where is your God that's so loving and understanding and forgiving and compassionate? Where is your God? If your God's so great, why doesn't he fix it? If your God's so great, why doesn't he help? If your God's so great, how come he's so distant to your prayers? If God is God, then where is your God? 
Let me tell you, sure as you get into trouble, the devil will do this in your Christian life. He will constantly, he's done it since Genesis 3, he will constantly try to discourage your walk with God and cause you to doubt your walk with God and doubt the faithfulness of God. But praise God, the Bible says God is faithful. He's still faithful even when he doesn't seem faithful. He still loves us even when we don't feel that he loves us. He's still there even when we don't feel like he's still there. He hasn't abandoned us even when we do feel like he's abandoned us. When the devil says, where is thy God? We know God is still there. Not only will the devil do it, but some of your enemies will do it. You know, that's what the media and the world is doing. They're, they're like vultures. You ever see vultures just circling, waiting for something to die, waiting to find something to fall on? That is the world. The world, look, um, the world is filled with wrong. The world is filled with sin and is filled with corruption, but they're just waiting for a Christian to stumble. They're just waiting for a Christian to fall. And I'm not making light of scandals and stuff we hear in the news all the time about church leaders and denominational leaders and everything else. I'm not making light of it. But it's just sad that that's what they're waiting to happen. That's exactly what they're looking for. So when it happens, they can go, Aha, uh -huh, I told you so. Where is your God when someone loses a loved one? Where is your God when someone loses their finances? Where is your God when someone is in a bad relationship and it breaks up? Where is your God when the bank account is just zeros and you can't pay the debts and pay the bills? Where is your God? Where is your God? Have you ever had it happen in your life? I sure have. There's times as a believer... In fact, the Bible says, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Not will or, or could or might or possibly, but shall. It's a guarantee. You're going to have it in some shape, form, or another. And I want you to know today and understand something. God is where he's always been. He's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the same God that he's always been. And when the devil comes around and whispers in your ear that God has forsaken you, you stick your spiritual finger in the devil's face and you remind him God's still on the throne and he hasn't budged a millimeter. Kind of like the couple, I think I've told you before, I can't remember now, but it was a, a pastor and his wife were in a car at an intersection. And they had a buck, you know, a bent seat in their vehicle, and he's driving the car, and she's all the way over by the door. Now, back in the days when they were dating and when they first got married, she used to scoot all the way close to him, and he'd put his arm around her like that. Any of y'all still do that? Bucket seats kind of killed a lot of that, amen? But they're at the intersection. She's all the way at the other side of the door, and they see another car across from the intersection, and that couple's all hugged up next to each other, got their arm around each other, and he looks at her, and he said, Honey, how come you don't sit by me like that? Or she looked at him and said, Honey, why don't you sit by me like that? She's over there gazing at the other car and sees them all hugging up, and she looks at him and said, How come you don't love me and sit by me like that? And he looked up at her, and he said, Who done did the moving? He said, I'm sitting in the same seat I've always been in. You're the one that's sitting by the door. He can't move anywhere. He's driving. She's the one that's moved. Who done did the moving? Not good English, but you get the point tonight. And when it comes to God, let me ask you a question. Who done did the moving? 
You say, well, God used to be real and he used to be close in my life and he was this and that. Who done did the moving? God's where he's always been. He's still sitting on the throne. He hasn't moved. If anything's changed, if anything's moved, if anything's shifted, it's us that have moved away from God, not God moving away from us. Where is thy God? I want to talk about six things where God is. First of all, I want to say tonight when they, the enemy says, where is thy God? God is above us. When you want to know where is thy God, the enemy says, where is thy God? The devil says, where is thy God? God is above us. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 39, Deuteronomy 4:39 says, Know ye therefore this day and, and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above, on earth beneath there is none else. Deuteronomy, he says, God, consider it. He's God above. He's over all. He's on the throne. Listen tonight. When the devil says, where is thy God? Say, God is still above us on the throne. He's still above us. He's still in control. He's still the great I am. He's still the alpha and the omega. He's still the beginning and the end. God is above us. He's above your situation. He's above your circumstance. He's above your, your issue. He's above your problem. He is above us tonight regardless of what the devil may say or what the flesh may say or the doubts that we might feel inside of us nothing has changed God is still where he's always been he's above us when you get into a situation where the tears become your meat day and night and you're going through times of testing and trials and tribulation and the devil says, where's thy God? And your enemy says, where's your God? And friends say, where's thy God? And family says, where's thy God? Remember, God is still above us. God's still above us. He is still over all. I think about the story of Simon Peter. We talk about it all the time, but I like what somebody said. I forget who said it, but I've seen it on, on T-shirts and, and pictures and all kinds of stuff. And it says, when the waves are over our head, they're still under Jesus' feet. You know why? Because he's above when we're below. Even when you feel like the waves are just rolling over top of you, he's above us. When the waves are over our head, it's still under the feet of Jesus because we're still on his footstool. He's still above us. He's still in the heavens ruling. And one day he's coming back again. He's above all. He's in control. He's above us. God's greater than your problem. He's greater than your circumstance. He's greater than your situation. He's bigger than any problem or circumstance or situation I could ever get myself into. He's bigger than it all because he's above all. In Joshua chapter 2 verse 11, he says, For the Lord thy God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. And John 3.31 tells of Jesus coming and says, He that cometh from above is above all, and he that cometh from heaven is above all. He's above all. He's in the heavens, but he's coming back one day. Until then, where is thy God? He's above us. That means why he's above us. He looks down on us and he sees our heart. I know people misquote that and use it all the time. God knows my heart is an excuse to do wrong. And so nobody can say anything. But the truth is, God does know our heart. He knows what's on your heart tonight. He knows what's in your mind. He knows all about it. 
He's above us. He knows our heart. He sees your life. He knows your need. He knows about your problem. He understands your testing. He knows what's going on. He sees that trial. He is above us. It's like the men that were watching. Somebody lift one of these grand pianos, a full-size piano, and it looked almost like Atlas, had that Atlas the picture of Atlas, the statue, has the world on his shoulder. This, this man had the piano on his back like that. And they said, how in the world could one man lift that grand piano by himself? But one of the others said, if you look closely, there's a cable. There was a cable going from the top of the piano around it that was lifted high. Hard to see, but it was still there. From a distance, it looked like that man was carrying the whole load. But he wasn't carrying the whole load. There was a, a cable almost invisible to the eye that was carrying the load. And listen tonight, it may seem like you're carrying the whole load. It may seem like a grand piano's on your back. It may seem like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, but there is an unseen cable of faith in God and in his word, and God still has it tonight. He has it under control. Trust in him. Where is thy God? He is above us. Not only that, but the Bible also tells us that God is around us. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 34, and verse 7, one of my favorite psalms is Psalms 34, and he says, This poor man cried, and I heard him, and, and he heard him and saved him out of his troubles. I'm so glad tonight that God hears us when we cry and saves us out of troubles. He goes on to say in verse 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that feareth him, and he delivereth them. You can't see it tonight, but there's the angel of the Lord all around us. Invisible to the human eye, but God has his presence around us. Yes, he's above us, but thank God he's around us tonight as well. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that feareth him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you go through situations in life, trust in God. Understand God's in control. And when the enemy says, where is thy God? Yes, he's above us, but praise God, he's all around us. We can't see it, but it's there. Psalms 125 says, They that trust in the Lord will be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever as the mountains are round about Jerusalem. Listen tonight. So the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forevermore. He says, as the mountains are round Jerusalem. God has mountains around you tonight. He's got his presence around you tonight. He's all around us tonight. Yes, he's above us, but he's around us. The Bible says when we got saved, we got put into the body of Christ. And I know that's sometimes hard to understand, but we are in him and he's in us. We are part of him. If we are in his body, that means his body is around us. We're part of him. He's all around us tonight. Where's thy God? He's all around us. He's encamped about us as the mountains around Jerusalem. 
He's encamped about us. Boy, there ain't a better mountain I could think of than Mount Zion. And the Bible tells us in heaven is the heavenly Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem that's there. And you talk about an emblem and a symbol of power and, 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 uh, and authority and majesty and, and glory is Mount Zion. And God said, I'm going to be like that mountain around my people. You may not be able to see me, but I'm still there. I'm still all around you to guide and lead and protect you. I'm all around you tonight. The devil come up and say, where's thy God? Tell him tonight he's above us. When your friends or when your, your relatives or co-workers or classmates or whoever they are say, where is your God when you go through hardships? You tell him he is around you. Number three, he's also before us. In Exodus chapter 13, it says the Lord went before Israel. And says, For ye shall not go out with haste, nor by flight, for the Lord will go before you. God, in the form of a pillar of cloud by night, and a, pillar, a, a, a pillar of fire by night, and a pillar of cloud by day, went before Israel. At one point, Moses even prays, and he says, If you don't go with us, I'm not going. That's a good prayer. We ought to pray that with every decision we make. Whatever the decision is, God, if you're not in it, if you're not with me, I'm not doing it. And so he said, God, I want you to go before me. And God did that very thing. He went before them. How do they know when to put the tabernacle up? How do they know when to take it back down? They saw the presence of God going out there before them, leading the way. God took Israel out. He led them before them. I want you to know tonight that when the devil comes around and you're facing uncertain circumstances in your life and he whispers in your ear, where is thy God? You tell him God's above us. You tell him God's around us. And you tell him God is going before me. Now, I'm not a coon hunter. Mom will tell you, I didn't know she's going to be here tonight. But we raised raccoons as pets. Now, don't get mad at me. I know we got probably some in here tonight, but I don't, I don't get a lot of sport out of treeing a coon and shooting it out of a tree and let dogs tear it up. That's just me. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of people do that. People get mad at me saying that. But uh, anyway, I'm not that big of an animal activist or anything, but uh, uh, I, I'm not a big coon hunter. But I had some friends of mine that were just obsessed with it. They went all the time. They had dogs that were worth more than most cars I've ever purchased in my life. And uh, they said, well, we want you to go coon hunting with us tonight. And I said, I don't know about it. And they said, come on, you got to go, Brother Ben. I said, I don't know about that. And they said, oh, we'll take care of you. You just, we'll, just go with us. You'll have a good time. I'll never forget going out in the woods in the middle of the night. Some of y'all have done it before. And I had a little headlight lamp on. But before I turned that lamp on, I'm telling you, I've never in my life experienced darkness like being in the midst of the woods with no light on. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I remember before we went out there, because this was in South Carolina, before we went out there, I asked the guys, I said, now, and this, this is the question I have to ask. I, I'm just going to ask it. If you took me in the woods, I'm, I'm going to ask this. Are there any snakes around here? That's an important question. Oh, no, Brother Ben, you ain't got to worry about it. Uh, don't worry about a thing. There's no snakes. I haven't seen a rattlesnake out here. I ain't seen a copperhead, and I forget how long they told me. Yeah, and I thought, uh-huh. Sure. They said, but don't worry about it. We're going to lead the way for you anyway. If there's one in the path, we'll get to it before you get to it. 
We had been in the woods for just about 15, 20 minutes, walking along, and all of a sudden I hear, Stop! Trust me, when I'm in the woods and it's dark and I can't see my hand and I know there's snakes and they say, Stop, I'm stopping. And I stop and they said, Rattlesnake! And I shined my light on the ground and there was a snake that long or longer right in the path of where we were walking. Of all places it could have been, right there in the path. And if they wouldn't have went before me, I would have come out shouting, I promise you that. A different type of shouting. But they went before me and were able to take care of the snake. I'm so thankful tonight that God doesn't say, hey, go out there on your own, figure it out. Make the best of it. Make it try, try your best. Do whatever. I could care less. No, he says, I'm going before you. And he goes before us. He went through death for us. He went through the resurrection for us. He ascended into heaven before us. He's coming back. He's tasted death for every man. He's experienced. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we yet without sin. He knows because he's gone before us. He experienced it all. He's paved the way. And we can know that God is before us tonight. He's so much before us. He's out beyond tonight. He's out beyond tomorrow. He knows what next week will hold and next month and next year because he's the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha, but he's also the Omega. He's already went ahead of us. So we've got to live one day at a time, one hour at a time, one situation at a time and trust the hand of God. To know that if God got others through it, he can get us through it. God is before us. And I'm thankful for this. Number four, God is also underneath us. You see, God's not just above us and around us and before us, but he's underneath us as well. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 27 says, Underneath are the everlasting arms. Don't we sing that song? Leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Underneath the everlasting arms. He's underneath us. That means that you can't fall out of the grip of God. You can't fall beyond the help of God. You can't fall outside of the reach of God. When our kids were little, even Katerina when she was little, I remember that when they're little about, you know, uh, uh, just old enough to walk, sometimes not even that old, that they would jump into your arms without even thinking twice about it. Do your kids ever do that? I mean, I'd put them on the hood of the car or something and said, jump to daddy. They didn't say, well, now let me think. Dad is uh, about five foot ten, five foot ten and a half. He weighs back then probably about 130 pounds. And uh, he is four foot six inches away from me. That's going to be a three foot drop and I'm going to fall, and if I fall, I'm going to, no, they just jump to me, boom, they jump. That's a picture of faith. They have faith that you're going to catch them. They wouldn't jump to you unless they had faith you're going to catch them. And, you know, underneath was the arms. Your arms were there to grab that child and take that child and keep them from falling and protect them. And that's what God's saying to us tonight is he's saying, jump into my arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. I've got you. I'm underneath you. You ain't got to worry about it and think about it, try to analyze it and think through it and try to figure it all out. Just trust him tonight 
Just trust him tonight. Know that he knows what's best. Underneath are the everlasting arms. A little boy had a pocket knife, and he showed his pocket knife to his friend. He said, do you think that I could take this knife and make it stand on the tip of the blade? He said, no, there's no way. He said, you sure? He said, no. He said, it's impossible. He said, you don't think I can make this knife stand on the tip of its blade? He said, it's impossible. It can't be done. About that time, he took that pocket knife over and held it upside down. It was a trick question. He said, I'm doing it. To you and I, we say, oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. It can't be done. And God says, my hand is what makes it possible. Folks, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Underneath are the everlasting arms. There's one underneath us to hold us up. I'm so thankful that he is underneath us. Not only that, but the Bible says this, number five, God is behind us as well. Isaiah 58 verse 8 says, The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward, meaning behind us. The glory of the Lord is behind us. In Psalms 139, thou hast set me behind. God's above us. God's beneath us. God's all around us. God's under us. But God is also, praise the Lord, I'm so thankful to know he's behind me. You know, when you think about the armor of God over in Ephesians, you've got the helmet of salvation. That covers your head. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You've got your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You, you've got the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You've got the shield of faith. You've got all these things. But if you notice in that armor, there's nothing behind you. Have you ever thought about that? If you ever see the armor, like that Roman armor, everything is on the front. Everything's on the front. There's no armor for the back. There's no shield behind you. There's nothing back there really to protect you like you have in front. There's no sword back there. There's no shield back there. That backside is open. And the idea behind that is you're always to be approaching your enemy. You're never to turn tail and run the other way. As long as you're facing the enemy, you have weapons. You've got prayer. You've got the word of God. You've got the armor of God. But when you turn tail and run, you've just exposed your weakness. And it's easy to be shot in the back when you're running. And thank God tonight we serve a God who's not just ahead of us, but he's behind us. And when I can't protect behind me, God is behind me. When I can't see what's behind me, God's behind me. And he might get above us and forget us. He might get around us and not see what's going on. He might get out in front of us and lose us to ourselves or leave us to ourselves. He might get underneath us and forget or behind us. He'll never forget us because he's always behind us. I'm so thankful tonight to know that he is behind us. And we can see even the picture and the imagery of that in our past, which is behind us. Our past is not our future. And whatever past is behind us, let God handle it and take care of it. Leave it into his hands. You can't do one thing to change the past. It's behind you. All the worrying and the fussing and the fretting and all that won't do one thing to change anything that's happened in the past. It's behind you. But guess who has the past? 
the Lord God. He has what's behind us. God's still there to push us on from behind. Sometimes we need a good push from behind. You ever see guys out there in an obstacle course and they'll try to climb that wall or something or climb the rope and somebody's from behind trying to lift them up, trying to push them on, trying to get them up the rope, trying to get them over the wall. They might need that little extra push. They might need that little extra whatever it is, that little extra oomph to get behind them, to get them over the obstacle, get them over the wall. God is behind us pushing us from behind to help us make it day by day. Sometimes you're not going to feel like going on to the next day. But let God push you. Because our God is behind us. And He's there to help us. Where is thy God? I'm so thankful to know tonight He is above us. He is around us. He is before us. He's behind us. He's underneath us. But I want to say last of all, thank God He is in us. He's in us. I'm glad that he is in me and I am in him. We got this idea. We come to church and we put on the Lord and we leave church and we take him off. But you know, when you got saved, you got put into Jesus Christ and you can't get back out of him. You're in him. You're a part of him, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Just like a married couple becomes one, two become one. They're no longer twain, but one, one flesh. When you are saved you are put into Jesus Christ into the body of Christ and nothing shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ you can't be separated from him ever again you are in him he's part of you and you're part of him he's to be our life he's to be our look he's to be our love because he's our all in all Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse number 27, he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. He's not in this, the sheetrock. This is just the house that houses the true church. That's us. He's not in the stained glass and the wood and the carpet. He's in you. He's in you. We have a funny idea about that. We think that church, I believe in respecting church. I believe in honoring the house of God. I still call it the house of God. And I know doctrinally it's not the house of God. Doctrinally, you're the house of God and I'm the house of God. But you understand, we get that. But it's funny, we wouldn't do things in here that we'll do to our own body. We wouldn't do things to the church house that we'll do to our own flesh. And yet our body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit of God, not the windows and the carpet and the pews. Where's thy God? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The enemy says, where is thy God? God is in us. Jesus one day says that in John chapter 14. They said, show us the Father and it will suffice us. Just let us see God and we'll believe. Jesus said, how long have I been with you? If ye have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. The Father and me and I and him. But then he goes on to say, and I in you. If Jesus is in God and God is in Jesus, when we get saved, Jesus says he's now in us and we are in him. And he gives the illustration of he said, my hand is in my father's hand. And he said, your hand is in my hand and no man can pluck you from my father's hand. Where is thy God? Where is thy God? The enemy says, he's in us. Where is your God when hard times come? He's in us. Where is your God? The enemy says, the devil whisper in our ear, he's in us. 
Where is your God when everything looks bleak and dark and dreary and nothing looks right and everything's gone wrong? Where is your God? He's in us. Where is your God when your finances have failed? He's in you. Where is your God when you get fired from the job? He's in you. Where is your God when you have a wayward child? He's still in you. Where is your God when you lose your health? He's still in you. You can't separate yourself from him tonight. He's above us, praise God. He's around us like the mountains of Jerusalem. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that feareth him. He's out there before us, paving the way for us. He's behind us is where God is. He's underneath us tonight. We can't fall out of his presence and grip. And praise God, he is in us. I know where God is. Jesus said, one day he said, where I am, there you may be also. Oh, what a moment that's going to be when the devil won't be there anymore to say, where is thy God? We're going to see him physically, and the devil won't even be there. We're going to be in his presence forever and forever and forever. Where is thy God? Let me ask you to pray tonight. Brother Tony, if you'll get us a song of invitation. Brother Donald, if you'll come play for us. Just take a moment. If there's anything on your heart to pray about, would you pray tonight?